It's time for another episode of the Global Meditation Podcast. This weekly show features explorations of spiritual and paranormal topics with a focus on bridging the physical and metaphysical, bringing deeper meaning to our individual and collective lives. And now here's your host, Darby Miller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Global Meditation Podcast. My name is Darby Miller. This is episode 16. And today we are going to continue going over some sessions from the Law of One Contact taken from the book, The Raw Material, Teaching the Law of One, Volume One. You can find this book as well as many other books and information regarding the raw material as well as, as, well as other uh, uh, confederation content. By confederation content, I mean uh, typically the LL Research Group works with a group of planetary entities that go by the name of the Confederation of Planets in service to the one infinite creator. Um, I may have misspoken. The, the book that we're talking from is The Raw Contact. I think I said The Raw Materials. The Raw Contact, Teaching the Law of One, Volume 1. And uh, my intention here is just to, it's kind of like a, a book study club, but unfortunately I'm the only one in the club. Well, you guys are certainly part of the club. I'd love to do some type of a sort of an in-person or live book study club where we're actually interacting. I think that there's more value in that, but maybe this is the first step. So my intention is to just kind of go over things that really stood out for me with these sessions. As always, I uh, encourage you to review the complete sessions by getting the material at llresearch.org. So um, I think I said during the last session we were going to go over session 10, or I mean 11, but I think we're going to go over session 11 and 12. And uh, session 11 took place on January 28th, 1981. And looking over my notes, the first thing that I had highlighted was Don started to ask about the planet Maldek, or specifically uh, the planetary social memory complex Maldek. Um, as Ra would put it. And Don wanted to know if, as we talked about last session, if Maldek, that planet that used to be between Mars and Jupiter, if they hadn't have blown themselves up, would they still, would they have had people uh, graduate to fourth density service to self? In other words, he's wondering if Maldek would have been a service to self planet, sort of like maybe what we would call an evil planet. Although in the law of one, the polarities are balanced, so they don't look at it this way. But would, uh, Don's wondering if that would have been the case. And Ross says that not really. Basically, Maldek was very similar to our own planet and that there really wasn't a lot of people polarized either way. And just like our own planet, where Ra is saying that most people are not going to graduate to fourth density, on Earth, Ra says that most people will re have to repeat third density somewhere else because Earth will no longer be a third density uh, friendly place, uh, primarily 
because um, initially in a, in a new fourth density planet, fourth density beings don't make themselves invisible to third density entities. And that is important because uh, third density entities need to be veiled so that they, uh, I believe it's through the law of confusion, so they can uh, be free to make free will choices. If if they could see fourth density and fifth density and sixth density, if they could see these higher densities of awareness, um, apparently the way the, the playground of third density works is it wouldn't be as an effective place to learn how to polarize and how to graduate to a fourth density consciousness. I think the idea is that you would be complacent. There would be less of a less apparent polarization, less bailing. So y- you wouldn't feel as uncomfortable. <laughs> be like, oh, look, there's all these higher densities and teachers and everything. And you, you, you might not have the impetus to grow. I believe that that's why third density, uh, at least in this galaxy, um, I think it's this galaxy, maybe it's just a solar system, but that's why third density requires a veiling of the other densities uh, above it. And so we don't see fourth and higher because we require that veiling in order to spur us to start asking the bigger questions as to why we're here and is there meaning to life and that kind of thing. That's my take on it, as always. I guess I don't need to say that, do I? <laughs> you pretty much, if you're watching this podcast, is all my take on it. I could be completely off and everything, just so you know. So, um, yeah, Ross says, no, yeah, they would been would have been mostly um, repeat third density if Maldek didn't blow up, and they would have had some people that would have gone to fourth, um, and some moving some moving to fourth positive and some moving to fourth negative, just like Earth. And but they can't say for sure because Maldek blew up. And so once once an action happens, then you know, you, you move on to other probabilities. So hard to tell, but that's their guess. Next thing I have highlighted is Don wants to know if anyone on our planet is going to graduate to a self-service or uh, negative type. So in other words, is anyone going to be graduating to fourth density negative from our planet? And Ross says, yeah, there's a a chance that a small number will, just like a small number will be of positive. And I guess Don's thinking, well... um, who who could that have been in our history? And he's thinking the right away of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler, of course, uh, supposedly killed himself, and so he's dead. And I guess Don's wondering, well, did he graduate to the fourth density negative? And I highlighted this answer because I, I thought it was sort of, it kind of gets you thinking about how things are viewed outside of third density as far as what somebody can do here. That is uh, what we would consider horrible and evil and deserving of punishment and how things are perceived from other densities. So Ra says, I am Ra, this mind-body-spirit complex known as Adolf is at this time in a healing process in the middle astral planes of your spherical force field. 
This entity was greatly confused and although aware of the circumstance of change in vibratory level associated with the cessation of the chemical body complex, nevertheless needed a great deal of care. So uh, what I'm trying to call out there is that he's in a healing process uh, in our astral planes and he needed a great deal of care. So yeah, when you, you do what you do here in third density and then it's all for learning. So you can be the most, you can be Adolf Hitler. And when you die, you're going to go to some type of an astral plane where you're going to go through a healing and processing period where you look at what you did, what you were there to learn, go over what you learned, what you didn't learn, and then um, make choices for your next incarnation from there. Even Adolf Hitler gets to be cared for and healed in the process of doing that. Now, I'm curious, does Adolf, um, when he reincarnates next, is is he at his heart of heart a service to self-entity? And is he is he going to like uh, reincarnate and reincarnate and try to be even uh, more dedicated to a service to self-polarization? I'm guessing yes, the, considering what he was able to do in this lifetime. Um and how far he got with uh, potentially world domination. Um, yeah, I would think that that's probably where he's oriented. I think uh, Law of One, they talk a little bit more about Hitler later on in terms of why he didn't totally polarize to service the self. I think it was something like he, he, he wasn't as uh, service to self as he could have been because he had some ideals that what he was doing was for the, he, he had some love of country or something like that where he was concerned about his country. I could be misremembering that, but he was not as focused on himself as he could have been to really uh, take it all the way. We'll go over that at some point, I'm sure. Uh, next thing I have highlighted is the next uh, response from Rod to a question from Don. Don says, um, he's still thinking about this. He says, is there anyone from our history that went to fourth density service to self or negative a negative type planet um, that we would know, either someone who has or someone that will go there? Of course, Rod is not going to talk about someone that will go there because that's a present time. Well, at this time, it was a present time thing. And they uh, will not violate um, the law of uh, free will in that case because it would affect uh, choices that people make. But they did say that, yeah, there was a, a, a few people, and I won't go over the names. You can check out the book if you want. I think that they he gives three, Ra gives three names. What I have highlighted is that what they did, the, the actual mechanism of being able to be harvested to go to um, fourth density service to self, Ross says, however, a few have penetrated the eighth level. So they, they were saying that the, the, heart, the number of entities thus harvested is small. However, a few have penetrated the eighth level, which is only available from the opening up of the seventh through the sixth. Penetration into the eighth or intelligent infinity level allows a mind-body-spirit complex to be harvested if he wishes, if it wishes at any time space during the cycle. So they're talking about the sixth and seventh 
uh, energy uh, bodies or, or chakras or six, they, they're calling them levels, so we'll call them levels, but they're, they're talking about the sixth and seventh um, chakras, I believe, and that by opening them up, um, th- you can penetrate to the eighth level, which is the beginning of the next octave. So the eighth level would be, I guess the you know the beginning of of uh, a fourth density. So you're repeating an octave. So there's the uh, one through seven on third density, and then one through seven on eight. Or I mean on fourth density, but the first level on fourth density is also considered the eighth level or octave on third density. Um, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm not explaining it right or I don't understand it. But in any case, um, yeah, they penetrated into the eighth level, which is fourth density, first level of fourth density. And at that point, when they do that, they can be harvested. So go them, right? They go through three examples of people that historically did that. And uh, one of the reasons they were able to do that is because they were all, they all had memories from Atlantis, right? So they had Atlantean understandings having to do with the use of various centers of mind, body, spirit, complex energy influx and attaining the gateway to intelligent infinity. So they, they'd been here before and they brought, they developed some skill sets and they remembered in their last incarnation here and they were able to complete the uh, opening up of the seven of uh, sixth and seventh uh, energy center and, and went into the eighth level, which was fourth density. So they were able to graduate. And again, I, every time Ra now is talking about gateway to intelligent infinity, I'm always thinking about the, uh, the book that we covered, the, uh, the door of everything or is it to everything by uh, Ruby Nelson. And she's talking about, I believe she's talking about the same gateway, the same door of intelligent infinity. Of course, she's talking about it from the standpoint of service to other. And I do believe that the, the energy centers that you need to open up to graduate to service to self are a little different than service to other. I think in the end, they're probably both the same, but it seems to me in my reading, Ra talks in some point that you, that service to self can skip. I think they go from like third to, they might skip the heart center. Maybe it's the throat as well, but I think they can skip at least the heart center which would make sense, right? They're not really opening up to love, at least not universal love and compassion the way a service to other entity um, does. Look forward to going over that again and get some more clarity on that. So session 11, looking forward here. Next thing I have highlighted is basically when you graduate, whether it's fourth to fourth density positive or negative, you choose, Ross says, each chose, they're talking about these fourth density negative entities that graduated. They say each chose a fourth density planet, which was dedicated to the pursuit of understanding of the law of one through service to self. So they, they chose a planet and they apparently all three of these entities chose different planets. So they, they went different places. And uh, Don wants to know, 
like what, what they're doing? Like, do they have a job or occupation? And I like Ra's answer. I have this highlighted. They say, I am Ra, the entity, this entity serves the creator in its own way. So Ra's basically kind of saying, we're re- reiterating that uh, everybody, whether you're service to self or service to negative, you are serving the creator. And they want us, Ra, because encouraging us to take that that big picture perspective, which balances the polarities and helps us to integrate a sense of um, unity and knowledge of unity and integrate the law of one into our life. And we can look and realize that everybody out there, people that we don't disagree that are doing things we don't agree and with or and saying things we don't agree with, they're all serving the creator in their own way so we can respect and love them and have compassion for them because they're we're on the same journey together. Ross says, we use any chance we may have to reiterate the basic understanding, learning that all beings serve the creator. Next, Don asked about um, what the crusaders do. So I guess it was maybe last session, Ra was talking about how they they called um, the people of Orion, which is a a group of service to self entities, kind of like the uh, the service to self version of the Confederation of Infinite Planets. Ross Ra talked about that they gave the name the, the Crusaders for these people, and Don wants to know what they do. And they Ra uses another interesting name. They say the Crusaders move in chariots. I think what they're trying to do is kind of portray an image, uh, like a feeling through choosing these type of words. So crusaders on chariots, war chariots is what you're supposed to be thinking of. The the crusader, I am Ra, the crusaders move in their chariots to conquer planetary mind, body, spirit, social complexes before they reach the stage of achieving a social memory. So it, one could presume them that presume then that Orion, the uh, the Orion, I don't know what they're called. Are they called a confederacy? Anyway, the Orion Crusaders, probably not a confederacy. I don't know. The Orion Crusaders are attempting to stop Earth from achieving a social memory. They want to conquer us before we do. I'm thinking about that. Um, I guess in the end, wouldn't the Orion group want us to achieve a service to self uh, social memory complex? So if you think like, um, you know, they're like an empire, right? So I always think of Star Wars and the empire, but they're wanting to conquer everybody here and get everyone in line in their pyramid-like power and control energy structure. And in the end... um, I would think that they the goal would be to have everyone so united in this power and control that they're achieve they're um, we achieve a negative social memory complex. But I think that's I think that's harder to do if you're service to self. Ra talks about this, and I think they they talk about it from a level of a social memory complex. It's really hard to do because everyone's constantly trying to get more power within the group, so they're constantly breaking down their their momentum because. You, you can imagine like people backstabbing each other, trying to trying to get to a higher level of position. 
But that's their goal. They want to stop us from developing. They want to stop people from polarizing, at least polarizing to the in the positive sense. They want to conquer us before we achieve a social memory complex. So Don says, at what stage does a planet achieve social memory? And I have this passage from Ra highlighted. I thought it was interesting. I am Ra. A mind-body-spirit social complex becomes a social memory complex when its entire group of entities are of one orientation or seeking. The group memory lost to the individuals and the roots of the tree of mind then becomes known to the social complex, thus creating a social memory complex. So there is some group memory, group knowledge that is in our deep mind that right now is most of us are not connected to it consciously anyway. When we become a social memory complex, that's all linked up and we become conscious of this group memory. And Ra says that the advantages of this complex are the relative lack of distortion and understanding the social beingness and the relative lack of distortion in pursuing the direction of seeing, seeking. For all understanding distortions are available to the entities of the society. So my I'm thinking what they mean by the lack of distortion and understanding the social beingness is there's basically some understanding of everyone, even in their uniqueness. We we are all sort of having a we're grokking each other, we're understanding how everyone is doing and the different viewpoints are somehow integrated into a whole. And then because we're able to be united in that way, where even in our differences, we are, we are united. I'm, I have kind of imagined like a bunch of hands united together in a, in like a circle where all hands from different members of the social memory complex are united in one hand, sort of a wheel of, of united hands. And through that, we're all, we're all united in our seeking and that, and that makes uh, polarizing so much easier. And that's why it's so difficult here is because we were not united in, a, uh, in one direction. Of course, like we talked about last time, one reason that probably is, is we're basically a planet of people that have already failed the class one or multiple times from different planetary civilizations, people that, have been on planets that either blew themselves up like Maldek or destroyed their planetary atmosphere like Mars to the point where they had to repeat their density here and plant planets from other places where they're having to repeat their density. And so we got a motley crew of people that were already having problems. And then you got all these different groups and they're the ideas that somehow as a planet, we're going to unite and, it's been proving to be difficult despite the uh, despite the help we receive from groups like Ra. So Don next asks about how the Crusaders of Orion, how they do their manipulation, their specifically how they do mind control. And I thought this was this is an interesting answer to so have highlighted, and it's been something that I've trying been trying to get clarity for myself is do um does Orion do service to self groups respect free will? And Ra's answer is they do. They absolutely, absolutely do. Apparently it's a requirement. Um, Ra says, as all, 
Interesting. They didn't say I am Ra there. I'm not sure why. They say, as all, they follow the law of one observing free will. Which begs the question for me is, what if you don't follow the law of free will? Um, I just intuitively have a feeling that maybe it's like hitting a brick wall, like in terms of progress. In the end, the universe is a classroom and both people that are oriented to service to other and people that are oriented to service to self have to all have a fair chance at doing the polarization that they're here to do. And if one group, like a service to other group, just decides that they're going to rampage through the uh, galaxy and destroy civilizations and um, enslave a handful of those they don't destroy, um, there's an imbalance. And so that imbalance needs to be corrected. And um, But maybe the other side of it is maybe that, that correction of the imbalance is built into the what a service to self polarized entity needs to do so what they're trying to do is control and manipulate people right and the reason they're trying to do that is that the more people they control the more it feeds the people at the top of the pyramid they need that energy they they need more and more and more control and manipulation to have the people that they control you know serve the, the people above them. So that it requires sort of an accumulation of, of energetic mass, I guess you'd say, you know? So if you are just destroying civilizations or you're enslaving people against their free will, um, there's, there's probably lots of dynamics that would not result in uh, the momentum of a service to self polarization that you'd need. I'm not really clear on that, but it feels like it. It's almost like everyone follows a law of free will because it's kind of built into the into the system. If you're wanting to polarize one way or another, you got to respect free will, or you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> That's probably a more succinct way of saying it. I think that that's what's going on here. So Ross says, as all, they follow the law of one observing free will. Contact is made with those who call. So people that are service to self-oriented that are calling for Orion, they make contact with them. Ross says, those then upon the planetary sphere act as much as you do to disseminate the attitudes and philosophy of their particular understanding of the law of one, which is service to self. These become the elite. Through these, the attempt begins to create a condition whereby the remainder of the planetary entities are enslaved by their own free will. That's something to think about, huh? You got to assume that's happening right now. That there are crusaders, groups, services of entities that have woven in a structure of control manipulation so that planetary entities like you or I um, are enslaved by their own free will. I'm not even going to begin to try to break that down in terms of how that's happening because I know that I am not equipped to do so. But 
you know, I look around me and as well off as we are and where I'm at in the United States, right? I'm not in a, a country where I don't even have my basic needs met, but most people are, you know, working in jobs that keep them, that they're required to work at in order to keep them, their, the, them and their families clothed and fed. And, um, they're, fe- they're feeding, uh, a, a structure that seems to keep people running on a, for lack of a better word, a, 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 a rat wheel, spinning wheel, right? And they're feeding something that, I mean, I guess for me, the way I see it right now is when I'm out and about, maybe I go to a restaurant or whatever with my family and there's inevitably, usually the places we go to, they always have TVs gone you know, playing sports games or whatever. And just the, we don't have TV at our house in terms of, uh, you know, we don't watch commercials or anything. We use Netflix and that kind of thing. But you go out and I see these commercials and how, if you just kind of let yourself step a few levels back in consciousness and you kind of observe what's happening, like it, it always to me seems insane. Like the, the ads for, trying to get people to consume a particular product. You know, they need this shiny new car. They need this shiny new phone. And none of it is, if you look at what they're selling and the overall, the overall game is being played. None of it is really about the big picture why you're here, you know, as a spiritual being having a physical experience. None of it, none of this capitalistic consumerism crap is encouraging people to um, know and actualize the law of one in their life so they can polarize, right? None of that's happening. It's basically all about surface level stuff around being a consumer and surrounding yourself with sensory overload, um, getting more and more things so that you feel like you have more value as a person. There's a lot of competitive competitiveness there, you know, but uh, so that's one way that we're enslaved by our own free will, right? When we buy into the, that thing where you need the latest phone or the latest car or, you need to um, consume and sort of clothe yourself and the illusion in order to be okay. I'm sure that we could talk on and on and on and people would have all sorts of great examples about how we're in, we, uh, we are enslaved by our own free will. So I guess the question is, let's assume that all of us to some degree have enslaved ourselves with our own free will. Because I'm guessing we all have to some level if you're alive right now in a in a society like the one that I'm in. How do you get unslaved? How do you unslave yourself? And what's what does that look like? Does it mean wherever possible, if you're in a job that you feel is not um serving people to the highest level, you you get out of it and find something that 
serves them serves uh, humanity more? Do you try to become self-employed? Do you try to find a way to to make a lot of money so you don't have to work for the man and you can spend your leisure time doing more uh, important projects that benefit people? I don't know. I don't have the answers. That's for sure. But uh, it when I read that line about people being enslaved by their own free will. I kind of get a kind of get a sinking feeling. <laughs> Maybe you do too. Uh, it looks like I think we're only going to get through session eleven today, so that's fine. We'll do session twelve next time. Um, next thing I have highlighted, Ross says, "We request your contemplation of the fruits of the actions of those entities." Okay, yeah. So Don's asking. Can you tell us people that are here today, which are service to self people, uh, like high level crusaders or high level people working with the crusaders? And Ross says, of course, we can't do that. Uh, but what Ross says, does say is we request your contemplation of the fruits of the actions of those entities whom you may observe enjoying the distortion towards power. And this way you may discern for yourself this information. We shall not interfere with the, shall we say, planetary game that is not central to the harvest. So if you want to know, you just look look to see uh, people out there right now that are having a lot of power and control. Just see, uh, look at the fruits of people's actions. And I thought it was interesting, Ross says that information isn't really central to the harvest. Maybe one thing Ra means by that is the harvest is happening. The harvest is happening regardless of who's got more power or control on earth or who's, you know, who doesn't. Or it's kind of like, because, because the fourth density harvest is like a, like we talked about, it's like the cycle of a, a clock. It's happening. The earth's going into a fourth density uh, time space continuum and uh, or is it space time continuum one of those the earth is going into a fourth density level of uh, vibration and we will be harvested and doesn't really matter who specifically is at the top of the planetary game in turn in terms of polar polarizing to the negative um Ultimately, I think Ra's encouraging us to focus on our own polarization and helping others to to have information that might assist them as well. Um, next I have highlighted is uh, there's a section here where Don's wanting to know how crusaders pass on their concepts to incarnate people on earth. So How's this information getting to people on earth that are asking for service to self-information? Ross says the same way that service to other people get the information. Ross says there are those mind-body-spirit complexes upon your plane who do exercises and perform disciplines in order to seek contact with sources of information and power leading to the opening of the gateway to intelligent infinity. So whether your service to self service to other I feel like I'm lisping or something I'm getting some weird harmonics as I'm talking maybe I am 
Sorry if that's hard to uh, sorry if that's hard to listen to. But Ross says um, that there's a groups of service of self or service to other humans who do exercises and perform disciplines. So, you know, something like that always gets my attention. What exercises and disciplines are we talking about? Certainly meditation is something that always is um, encouraged by the, by Ra and other members of the Confederation. Of course, channeling is one way of, that could be a discipline, channeling uh, to get information like this. And then Ross says, there are others whose vibratory complex is such that this gateway is opened in contact with total service to self with its primal distortion and manipulation of others is then afforded with little or no difficulty, no training, no control. So I think what they're saying there is basically there's some people that don't have to meditate um, to, to, you know, open the gateway to intelligent infinity. They come incarnated naturally and they actually may not be conscious of it or they may have no control over control of it. And uh, I don't know who an example of that would be, but uh, it's interesting way to come incarnate into the planet. And and maybe that's by design, maybe like uh, someone is sent in by the Confederation to be open like that, just to be sort of like an open conduit for their, their purposes um, to try to get the needle moving into the direction that they want it to go. And uh, Ross says that the Rang Group provides information about service of self, some of which could be technical. Technical information could be about how to control and or manipulate others. I'm assuming there's some mind control technology is probably a part of that. And uh, they say that sometimes scientists that are positive in orientation receive information from the Confederation regarding technology, but then that information gets polluted by information from the Crusaders that is of a negative nature. And one of the examples they give is the people who developed the atomic bomb. Apparently some of those scientists were very, very positive initially. And then uh, there was some negative oriented scientists, which kind of corrupted the work. And they were influenced by Orion Crusaders of course, I imagine that's how negative uses of uh, nuclear energy was uh, came about, and eventual dropping of the the bomb, the bombs on Japan, etc. They said uh, that there was one extremely negative entity who um, corrupted the work of the uh, of the positively oriented scientist. I've been trying to look a little bit who that is because apparently that person at least during when this uh channeling happened back in the 80s he was he or she was still alive and i was curious who that might have been i didn't do a lot of digging but i did a little bit and didn't really have a sense like i i had a fix on who that could have been but i'm interested in and uh you know observing negatively focused entities in terms of understanding that polarity and how they operate it to, you know, bring some insight into my own life in terms of uh, polarization, that kind of thing. 
There is some mention of Tesla near the end of uh, session 11. Apparently, Tesla was a very positively oriented man. And what he wanted to do was to literally free people from darkness. He wanted to provide technology which would allow everybody to have free energy. Apparently, this was somehow sourced from the earth. The earth somehow has an unlimited availability of free energy, which can be, I don't know if harnessed is the right way, but you can you can funnel that through a technology, which would literally give everyone the ability to have electricity without having to, you know, on their own. I'm assuming there'd be some type of unit in everyone's home or, or something like that, but there'd be no need for fossil fuels or nuclear reactors, I'm assuming. And uh, this, this, the specific point that, that Ra makes is the, the main goal was so that people didn't have to be so chained to working for money to, ex- to exchange money for, you know, having electricity and they would have more freedom to pursue leisure activities, which ultimately would hopefully include the study of the law of one. And they, at some point in the reading, they say, you know, people that are working from sun up to sundown don't, it's really unlikely that they're going to have enough, have the wherewithal or time to study teachings like the law of one and really begin the work of polarization. They're not going to have a lot of time to sit around and meditate as an example, right? And they, there's a passage as well about uh, the industrial revolution that the, the, that wanderers, which are people from that are, you know, people from higher densities of awareness, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they incarnated to bring about the industrial revolution for the same type of purpose. They wanted to free people from the toil of working sun up to sundown so that they would have more time to explore, excuse me, so that they would have more time to explore some of these deeper questions. And, uh, you know, I wonder if that was successful. I think of someone like myself who does have leisure time, you know, I, I don't have to, I do toil in my fields to grow things, but of my own choice, but I don't have to, you know, um, I don't have to grow cotton to be able to make my own shirts. Um, There's a lot that's taken care of for me because of technology. I still work and that kind of thing, but I imagine that I have more leisure than someone who is a farmer that, you know, in farming society, everyone was, I imagine, working from sun up to sundown just to have their needs met. I'm assuming that's the way it is. I I can't say that I've studied pre-industrial revolution, but I'm guessing that what happened was that it, the industrial revolution did provide some people more leisure time, but at the same time, I bet you there's a lot of negatives that happened from it as well. Some of those, another one of those kind of maybe naive, but, uh, certainly a, a well-intentioned act from the confederate from confederation wanderers which was meant to help but maybe cause more problems than it it actually gave solutions i don't know i mean there's all sorts of great things that happen from the industrial revolution right i mean just 
you know, the printing press, I think, was probably a part of that. So no doubt it must have provided the um, impetus for even the level of information transfer that we are enjoying now. But did the Industrial Revolution result in the end in more people, um, because of how it was corrupted, it result in more people willingly giving up their free will rather than freeing more people to study the law of one and that type of thing. I don't know, but it'd be kind of curious to really do a deep dive into history to, to look at the, what was helpful with the industrial revolution in terms of raising of consciousness and what was not. And chapter uh, session 11 winds up with Don asking a question about, um, what Orion's, what the Orion group's ultimate objective is. And Ross says that the objective is just basically ever expanding manipulation, power, and control. If you imagine a pyramid, um, you're to achieve the ultimate expression of service to self. You need to be controlling and manipulating a greater and greater and greater number of entities and those entities that you control um, and, and manipulate and enslave, they they um, also learn to do the same with people below them. So I imagine this huge entire pyramid with the base ever expanding. But of course, as Ross talked about, it's also ever expanding because it's ever crumbling, <laughs> right? Because there's constant infighting. And so... You have to constantly control and manipulate more and more people or else you lose your momentum because it's not a self-sustaining orientation. There's not harmony. There's not a cohesion. There is constant people trying to scramble over the back of the, the person above them to get more power and control because of its very nature. So that's their objective. They, they got to feed the machine. So that's uh, that's what I had highlighted for session 11. A lot of great material there. A lot of great food for thought. A lot of great jumping off points in terms of further things you could talk about or explore. I think for me, the biggest thing is how am I freely giving away my, my, my free will? How am I freely choosing to give up my free will? Looking at that in my life, looking at where I'm making those choices and how it might, by doing so, might keep me from building the, the momentum of positive polarization, making those daily choices to find the love in every circumstance. All right, we're going to wrap up the podcast now. I am having the little spark of desire to start the global meditations up again. This, these would be meditations that we would do every night, at least Monday through Friday as a group. Probably not live, but probably just there's a certain time where people that want to tune in with, the, this, uh, with uh, our global meditation network group join together for like a you know, 10, 15 meditation and the point of the meditation is ultimately to serve the planet 
through a focus meditation on uh, supporting the the planet with love and light, basically. And uh, I am feeling the stirrings of a desire to serve in this way again, and I'm trying to flesh out the details. Um, so I'll I'll uh, make uh, provide more information on the during the next podcast as to the details of that. But I think that'll be happening soon. And I'd like to, like I view everything, I kind of view it as a, an experiment, experiment dedicated to service and uh, see if um, just, just kind of observe our experience as we practice it. All right. So uh, until then, have a great rest of your day or evening, wherever you're at, and look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye for now.